0: If your faith in Christ is not leading you to live a lifestyle of devotion to Jesus, then you're in danger. It's a message that America needs to hear today. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of Honors me with their lips but their heart is far Good morning, everybody. morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Amen? Amen. I'm so thankful that God has brought us all here. I want to welcome everybody that could be here today in the house, and also everybody that's listening that's online or that's on SoundCloud. I want to welcome you from all over the world, wherever you're listening to. And if you're just on SoundCloud, and anybody in the room that may not know, we also have a website gospelsavingchurch.com and if you want to contact us for prayer prayer requests or praise reports or anything like that we're on there'd love to hear from you uh, we also are on Facebook gospel saving church we just got a Facebook account so if you'd like to like the church somehow or our sermons are also be on there as well too so God we're moving up in the world God's raising us higher we're so thankful for all that the Lord is doing in our lives and I just want to thank everybody for joining us and taking time out of their busy week and and coming and uh, listening to what the Lord has to say today. If you guys want to make sure that uh, your phones are all on silent, anybody that may be listening, and we're going to read this message right after we pray. So if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, and we'll get started with our service. Lord, King of heaven and earth, Thank you so much for life and breath and your spirit, Lord, just like I was talking to some brothers this morning, Lord God, about the the spirit that you put within us, Lord, the breath of life that you give to everything alive, Lord. I just pray, Lord, for everybody that's listening, everybody in this room and even just all the multitudes of all the peoples on the world, Lord God, today I pray that they would be thankful for that breath of life that you've given us. Because, Lord, it's not guaranteed how long we get to keep it. Lord, that breath of life could dwindle today or tomorrow or 20 years, but it, we never know when it'll go. We never know when the spirit of that life will leave us. So, Lord, it's said a great Christian saying, a great godly saying, it is, is, a, is, the, is the fact that one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. So, Lord, I pray that we would make it count, make these lives count. We just get but a breath on this planet, Lord. I pray that we'd make this life count, Lord, for you. Anyway, Lord, I pray you bless the service and bless the message and bless our hearts as we hear it, Lord. And I pray you'd encourage us and and move in our hearts, Lord God, to do the things that you called us to do and to be obedient to the scriptures, Lord, as we listen here today and as we read. And as I, I pray, Lord God, we get involved We get involved in the things that you've called us to do. I pray we get involved. And Lord, most importantly, Lord, I pray you'd speak through me today. And it wouldn't even be like me speaking up here, Lord. You'd just do it all. Because I pray you'd teach us all by your Holy Spirit today, Lord God. Not me, not just the man, Ed, just your spirit. I pray you'd teach us all. Lord God, keep the devil out of this place. Keep that devil out of our minds, Lord, distracting us. I pray that you'd keep this place nice and calm, but give us excitement, Lord, by your Holy Spirit when we hear the words of the truth. Lord, we love you and we praise you, and we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You guys want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10? We've only got two more weeks in Matthew chapter 10, and then we'll be in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 10, going to be in verse 34. Through 39. Six verses today. All right. I'm going to start reading them. You guys can follow along. And then we'll teach them. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Jesus says, Do not think that I came to bring peace. On earth, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter in law against her mother in law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me he who finds his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake will find it it's not a very easy section of scripture to read it's not very easy In fact, it's one of the more difficult ones to read. After last week's message, I hope in my prayer was that every single person that's listening, every single one of you in this room here made an effort to go out and share Jesus Christ or share his name with others purposefully. I hope and I pray that you did, because that's exactly what Jesus told us that we were supposed to do when we read verses 32 and 33 of Matthew chapter 10 last week. Now, as for me, I can't sit up here and teach you those truths. I can't sit up here and tell you this is what the Scripture says, peoples, and then not go out and do it myself, because that's called hypocrisy. And Jesus didn't have very many good things to say. Well, he didn't have any good things to say about hypocrites, period. So I myself made a conscious effort this week, more than probably in a long time, to go out there and profess the name of Jesus Christ more. I challenged you to do so. I still challenge you again this week to do so. If you say that you love Jesus... If you say you love him, if you say you're following him, I challenge you to go out this week and bring up his name more. I'm not talking about going out and having to have a full witness or breaking somebody down theologically or real the deep things. I'm just talking about in your conversation, just whatever whatever you're saying, Jesus loves you or hey, God bless you or I love Jesus or oh, thanks to Jesus, I'm doing great or, you know, something like that, because that's what Jesus said that we ought to be doing. Is doing that so I was challenged by the Lord to confess him more because um, again I can't teach these truths and not live myself so as I did this week of course the times when I have times to because we all have times that we can do that is of course at my job and my jobs I have two jobs two part-time jobs which I won't give the names of those jobs because I don't promote any business because as I told one of my co-workers this week my benefactor is Jesus Christ He's not my jobs because Jesus Christ has given me my jobs. So if I give the credit to my jobs for hiring me, that's not giving the credit to my Creator. So as I professed the name of Christ this week one time, I had a fellow walk into my job, and he said, How you doing today? And I said, Thanks to Jesus Christ, I'm doing great. And don't you know... uh, with a hand wave was all I got as he walked away. And then he didn't even see me when he was leaving from my job. He made sure to go out another exit of the place that I worked. And as I was in my getting my stuff ready to go to work, as I started my job just uh, the other day, a couple fellas in the break room were talking about football. And you know, one of the guys said this about the Dallas Cowboys, another guy said this about this team, and this guy said I hated this, and I made a comment about, you know, the guy said, I hate those Dallas Cowboys, but I but I pray that they lose. And I kind of stepped up and I said, Well, don't you know that's kind of that's kind of ridiculous. I said, Because if if you hate someone or hate something, the Bible says if you can't forgive them, then God doesn't hear your prayers. I said, but then you say you hate, but then You also said, I pray for them. And he didn't have very much nice to say to me. So as I left and I was professing the name of Christ more, I went to clock in and get my stuff ready and go on. And one of my managers says to me, Oh, Ed, how you doing today? And I said, Oh, thanks to Jesus. I'm doing great. And then while I was in there, some of the people that were in there, actually the, the manager, the main manager of the store said, Oh, he commented about Jesus a little bit and everything. And as I was leaving one of the, manager steps out in the hallway and she says, uh, I had, uh, I thought, you know, when we first started here, when I first started here, we had talked to you about, uh, you know, that uh, solicitation. And I said, oh, ma'am, I won't give her name. I said, oh, ma'am, I said, you know, you know how I am. I said, when I'm around, I said, Jesus, Jesus is just the topic. Oh, yes, 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 I know. But but I work for the company. And I said, yes, I said, yes. I work too, I said, but my benefactor is Jesus. I said, because he gave me this job. And then it dawned on me as I was walking away, and she just kind of laughed and everything, but she was being serious, but she didn't want to knuckle down on me too hard because she knows how I am. As I was leaving that place and as I was walking away, the Lord was talking to me. And here's what the Lord said. The Lord said, isn't it funny how that word solicitation is brought up because you bring up my name I said, but what about those guys in the break room that were talking about the Dallas Cowboys and football? How come she doesn't get on them for talking about solicitation? But it's only when my name is brought up. It's only when my name is mentioned that that, un- that, 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 evil word solicitation is brought up because it's not solicitation to talk about something of your own interest, because that's all I was doing was talking about what I was interested in. Jesus. I'm not interested in football. I'm not interested in sports cars. I'm not interested in the sun or the moon or the sun, only when they relate to Jesus. But that word never gets brought up When football or soccer or the sun or the weather is being brought up, even though those terms, those things, don't have anything to do with the business that you work for, that word's never brought up. It's only when the name of Jesus is brought up. Isn't that funny? Isn't that strange? No, it's not strange. Because there's one devil and there's one God. And that one devil hates that one God And he hates the name of that one God. Because you never hear Allah blasphemed. You never hear Buddha blasphemed. You never hear Krishna or Vishnu or the sun god or the moon god be blasphemed. It's only the name of Jesus Christ that people blaspheme. It's only the name of God that people have a curse word out of. Well, if one devil hates that one God, of course he's going to hate that one name. And so what is one name that's hated more than any name in the whole world? It's not Hitler. It's not Stalin. It's not Barack Obama. It's not President George Bush. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. So why did I bring up these examples today to start my message? Because it was purposeful. Because I don't just like getting up here and telling my stories, because I could do that in fellowship time. But it's purposeful. Read verse 34 again with me. What does Jesus say? Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Just like I said, you bring up the Savior's name, and what happens? There's a great divide. There's a great sword that's brought. Just because of the name of Jesus. Just because of the name of Jesus. We just read him say, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. These real life examples that I just gave, that, that just happened to me this week, were exactly what happened to me this week at work. Jesus here in verse 34 wants to make sure that we're, we always have it in the front of our minds. What's, what can happen? What's probably going to happen when you bring up the name of Jesus? Because he said it was going to happen. And that's what I experienced but again, I've said it before. I can say, God bless you, or have a blessed day. And people all oh, thank you They'll smile very brightly. they'll smile, so nice. But when you say, oh, Jesus, man, he's so good. People are like, oh, man, why did he have to say that name? Oh, I, I could just see it in their faces. I could just see it in their faces. But wait a minute. Back to 34. Jesus said, don't think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Didn't he tell his disciples in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. So what's the deal? Is Jesus contradicting himself here? He says, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And then he tells his disciples, I did not, I I came to give you peace and my peace I give to you. Absolutely not. Verse 34, notice it says, He did not come to bring peace on earth. It would be the world. In John, he says, He brings it to the individual. He brings it to the individual. Because he... Could there be peace on earth? Could there be? You think there could be peace on earth? I think that there could be. I think if people would stop hating the name of Jesus Christ... I think if people would surrender their lives to Jesus Christ, I think that there could be peace on earth. Jesus did say in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 He said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So again, sure, There could definitely be peace on earth if just everybody would surrender and fall on their knees and repent before the holy name of God and Jesus Christ. So he says in here, verse 34, no peace but a sword. You think he's talking about a real sword? Think he's talking about a real sword? I don't think he's talking about a real sword, but you know what? People on this planet earth Really, literally, use this scripture to say and to justify violence in the Christian faith. Isn't that something? They absolutely do. They, well, Jesus didn't come to bring peace, he, he came to bring a sword. So, is that true? You think, did Jesus want us, His followers, to kill people with a sword? You think that's what He did? Did He come? to bring a sword did he was he going around and slashing people open and cutting people open and making people threatening people with a sword as he went out and preached his message did he do that it's a shame that people take the bible and they twist it isn't it it's a really a shame when people do that if you accept this view if you're out there somewhere and you think well sure jesus yeah jesus said it so therefore we got to take the bible literally And after all, you know, so many people don't take the Bible literally, so we have to take it literally. If you accept this outlook, then you have to throw out scriptures like Luke 6, 27 twenty-nine, when Jesus said, But I say to you here, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either you have to throw that one right out the window love your enemies if if you're supposed to bring a sword and kill your enemies then why did jesus say to love your enemies and peter garden of gethsemane if you remember peter jesus the guards are coming to take jesus and as they're there and the guards are about to grab him peter draws a sword and strikes off this dude malchus's ear servant of the high priest And Jesus stops him and says, put your sword away, for those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And then he picks up the man's ear, he sticks it back on his head, and he heals the dude. And how about Jesus' whole life, his whole ministry, all three and a half years that we have of him preaching where he didn't raise his hand or get violently and, and, get violent and attack somebody. His whole ministry, the, all the years that we have wrapped up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the teachings of his disciples afterwards. His disciples never, not once, went out, and they never killed anybody, and they never hurt anybody, and they never were violent with anybody. You'd have to take all this and throw it out the window. No, I don't believe Jesus is talking about a literal sword here. When we look at the context of the scripture or meaning of the whole section, Jesus is not referencing a a literal sword that you would use to kill somebody, even though the word for sword here is machaira, a machaira, and it does mean a large knife used for killing animals and cutting up flesh. But when you read the rest of the verses here, we read about Jesus talking about his coming, creating a great divide between people. A sword does cut and divide, but here Jesus Christ and his word are like the sword that cuts in two. I wonder if we see that anywhere else in the scripture. Read verse 35 with me. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Stop there. So he gives us the sad fact why this scripture is so hard for me to read. He gives it to us right there in verse 35. Now, the Greek word for to set a man against his father or mother, to set a one against, you're going to get a kick out of this because God really kind of, I I kind of was like so excited when I read this over. So the Greek word for to set is desazo, and it's defined as to cut into parts or to sever. So when Jesus said I came to set a man against, he wasn't speaking about a literal sword dividing into, but he said that his coming again would be like a sword that would divide to set against that meant to divide, to cut into parts. So, because of Jesus, family members would be cut into, their ties would be cut into. It's funny because We just read that Jesus said, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. And that's exactly what the scripture lines up. It's exactly what we find in the scripture when we read the next verse. Isn't that something? So like I said again, sadly, this whole section is so hard to read because Jesus gives us the reality. He gives us the sad reality of the depth of persecution that someone would face just because they decide to love, follow, and confess Jesus Christ before others. This is a deep type of persecution. This type of persecution cuts you hard. You know, when people in the world, people at my jobs, you know, they don't like what I say about Jesus. That's, that's one thing. Those are strangers. And yes, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't, it's not fantastic and it, and it hurts, yes. But when somebody in your family, your own son or your own father or your own daughter or your own mother or your own mother-in-law hurts you or they're divided against you because of the name of Jesus Christ, it hurts. It cuts you deep. It's unlike anything that anybody in the world could cut you with because those people are intimate with you. Those people are, you know, they're, they love you and you love them. And you think, "How is it fair? I just I want to love my God. Why is it that my family is turning against me?" Even look at verse 36. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. I have a good brother in the Lord who some years back he decided to start following Christ. He read in 1 Corinthians how God says that those who fornicate and those who do this and those who do that, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And that scared him. So he got scared into life. He got scared into surrender to Christ. And so he stopped fornicating. He was living with his beloved girlfriend that he wanted to marry so bad, but she wouldn't follow Christ. She refused to follow Christ. So, what ended up happening, that was his own flesh and blood, basically. They had been together for years. They were intimate together. They loved one another. He loved her with a deep, deep love. But because of his decision to follow Christ, because of his decision to love Christ, she left him and cut it off. I can't marry a preacher man. She left him and cut it off. The ties that bound them. All because of Jesus' word coming true in this passage right here. Which, I bring this up. It's not actually part of the sermon. I wasn't actually going to say it, but God puts it on my heart. I'm always, God is always using me to show people how the Bible is true. Like, not just because the words are there, but, you know, we know the Bible's real because what, is what happened in the Bible, does it really come true? Absolutely. And here's another section where, in real life today, right now, people, family members, are being divided just because of the name of Jesus Christ. They're being divided. Exactly what Jesus said was going to happen here. So, the fulfillment of what Jesus Christ said here is happening. It's still happening today. In this book, was written almost 2000 years ago. How in the world if the Bible was a big fairy tale, how would this scripture still being fulfilled? How would this scripture still be being fulfilled to this very day, 2013? I myself, in case you don't know, and yes, I asked permission. I myself when I first started to love Christ, when I first started to follow Christ, when I first got saved, my own family was against me too. My own father was against me. He didn't choose to love Jesus at that point. He chose instead to go against me. And he went against me and we would argue and I would just try to tell him about Jesus, but he would come against me. But thanks be to God as I was preparing for this message, I started to cry, and you know why I started to cry. I was so excited because, as we're going to see in a little later, as we go on in the scripture. But Jesus says that we can't love our families or our mothers or our fathers or our brothers and sisters or our children more than we love Him. If in that, what He only says that is we're going to we're going to read it a little later. He only says that because if we choose to do that, then we have to choose one. We can only love one the greatest in our lives. And if I would have chose my family to love them over Christ and said, well if I just get rid of this Jesus, my dad will love me again. He he won't, you know, he won't be against me. And I started to cry when I started to think about that because since my father has come to the Lord. But if I would have left, if you would leave Jesus, if you walk away from Jesus because of a family member or somebody that you love that doesn't like the, your decision to follow Jesus, if you stop loving Jesus, how do you know that by your love for Jesus Christ, even though they're divided against you, your family won't come to Christ too? So I was so excited when God showed me that you stuck it out, and look at the result of you sticking it out. I said, Praise you, Lord. I was crying. For joy. I was crying for joy. Unbelievable. But persecution in the world hurts. But persecution of your family hurts a hundred, a 1, thousand times worse. And it's no reason. Jesus said, there's no, Jesus doesn't waste his words. And now that we see this here and Jesus said it's going to be hard, your own family is going to be against you. He says in Matthew seven thirteen and 14, remember we studied it. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Few find it because there's a lot of tribulation at heads and that you will face on that narrow path. For instance, like your family being against you just because you love Jesus. So narrow is the gate, and many many ways narrow is the gate which leads to life because you will face problems just because you decide to follow Jesus unbelievable but it doesn't stop there we're getting into what I was just talking about read verses 37 and 38 with me Jesus says he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me Wow. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. On the surface, Jesus is saying plainly that if anyone who loves his or her mother, father, son, daughter more than him is not worthy of him. Simple enough, but it's harsh. It's hard to hear. It's hard, it's a hard saying. If I love them more, then I'm not worthy of Jesus. Wow. He just said that your whole family, your families will be divided because of Him. Now He tells us that if we love them more, we're not worthy of Him. This huge point that I referenced earlier. When we're put in that position, when we are put in that position, of our families being divided against us. When we're put in that position, folks, there's going to be one huge temptation that comes up from Satan because that devil, he never gives up. His huge temptation is, oh, just just love your family more because you know what he says? You can see and touch and feel them. How are you going to love God, a God that you can't see? How are you going to love God if you can't feel? How are you going to love Him more than the family members, your own loved ones that are in your same household? So just, just love your family more. It's okay. God will understand. God will understand. And you know what, sadly? And we see it to this day. Many people, many people say, well... You know, God will understand. I mean, after all, you know, I got to take care of my family. I got to love them. And many people will take that road to the left, that wide road, because they refuse to love God more and they refuse to love Christ more than they love their families. And remember, Jesus said that one cannot serve two masters. He will love the one and he will hate the other. We will have to choose. Will we love Christ more? Will we love God more? Even when our own beloved family members betray us and turn against us? Remember Sidra in Uganda? Her own father locked her in a room and was going to starve her to death. If not for her brother feeding her food underneath the door, she would have died. But if you love those family members that are against you more, you will love them and live for them and serve them, and you won't love God. So he makes this harsh, hard saying because Jesus knows that whoever you love more will take your heart and devotion. And he wants all of your heart and all of your devotion for himself. And he doesn't want to share you with anybody. He wants you to love him above all he wants he's saying here he wants unless you give him your total devotion and you're totally sold out to him loving him above even your own intimate family members that you are not worthy of him and when we think of that that's what makes this whole section of scripture so hard to read just think about the love that a son has for his mother Think about the love that a mother has for her son, the love that a grandmother has for her grandson, the love that a mother-in-law has for her her daughter-in-law, the intimate love that they have between one another. And yet Jesus says, unless you love me more than them, even though he knows that they're going to be against you, you're not worthy of him. How can he say this? What gives Jesus Christ the right to demand that we love him more than our families? What gives him the right to say this? Remember, Jesus was God wrapped in human flesh, and he came down to earth to save sinners from death. Well, listen to these two verses, because this is another aspect of this section of Scripture, and we actually see how Jesus Christ can't expect us to love him more than we love our families. Does this sound familiar to you? Someone said, You shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that on earth beneath, or that that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And the definition of jealous is, listen to this, intolerant of unfaithfulness or rivalry. No one can be of equal love when someone is jealous. When someone is jealous, he wants your whole, all of you. He wants your, all your love. He wants all your devotion. And if you love someone else equally, jealousy burns. And he says, no, I want them all. That's jealousy for you. And we just heard God is a jealous God. But does that sound... Exactly like what Jesus Christ said here I want all of you. You have to love me above everybody, even your family members that are going to persecute you, even your family members that are going to be against you. You got to love me more. Those two things that I just read sound very familiar, don't they? Except for one of them was out of Exodus chapter 20 when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and one of them is out of Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Jesus just gave himself, you know what he did? He just gave himself equality with God again. Jesus just said there, I am God, I'm a jealous God. That's what Jesus just said right there. I'm a jealous God. And yet we still have people today that claim that Jesus is not God and Jesus wasn't the Son of God. Even though Jesus and God, whether Matthew chapter 10 or Exodus chapter 20, both had the same requirements to following them. They both had the same requirements to following them. Isn't that awesome? I love how God, I love how God sets his word. So now in verse 38, he switches gears a little bit and he goes a little deeper, the type of devotion that he wants from you. Verse 38, he goes a little deeper. He said, your devotion, I'm I'm not done with your devotion. And I'm going to tell you here, this is where the title of the sermon came from. The title of the sermon is, What is a Christian? And a Christian is verses 38 and verse 39. Read verse 38 with me. He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Notice the word and is there, which is to show us the changing of the topic just a little bit verse 38 and he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me it's not but or it's not along with it's a kind of a little bit of a switch gears it's a little bit of a new topic what is a Christian Jesus here redefines well he defines for his day but today in our American society If you ask the average person that believes himself uh, to be a Christian, they won't even know this answer. And yet, so Jesus is going to redefine Christianity for America right here. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Well, there was only one reason. One reason why somebody in Jesus' day took up a cross. And the only reason that was... The only reason that somebody took up a cross in Jesus' day was to go and die a slow, brutal death. And while they were walking along, people would be mocking at them, and jeering them, and persecuting them. Well, doesn't that sound like the average Christian, the real sold-out Christian in this world today, doesn't that sound like exactly what happens to them? We get jeered at, we get made fun of, we get mocked, these hecklers. And he says, and, the, and follow me. Well, when you follow someone, you obey them. You obey their teachings. You, obeys the, you obey the ways in which they, they live. You watch the way that they live, and you live like them. So what is Jesus saying when he's saying, if those who do not pick up their crosses and follow after me are not worthy of me? In in other words, God gave me this. Unless you choose willfully to take the death penalty for the sinful ways of your flesh person that you naturally are and start to follow me and obey my teachings, you're not worthy of me. Coming to follow Jesus Christ is like you sign an agreement to put your flesh to death. Unless you pick up your cross and follow after me, you're not worthy of me. Another way, unless you firmly make a decision to put away your sinful ways and live a totally sold out life following Christ and his teachings, you're not worthy of him. If you guys have ever heard that old hymnal Christian song, The cross before me, the world behind me. If you think about that saying, the writer of that song was thinking about this verse when he wrote that song. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. What was he saying? He's saying that I'm walking toward the cross. I'm walking toward Christ. And I'm not going to turn back toward the world. I'm walking toward the cross, the cross before me, the world behind me. I put the world, things of the world behind me and the things of the cross, I put them ahead of me. Jesus wants total devotion from us with our actions of our lives and not with just the service of our lips. He wants real actions from your lives, not just lip service. Paul writes in confirmation to exactly what Jesus says here in 1 Corinthians 15 31. He says, I affirm by the boasting which you have, I that I, excuse me, I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. Why does he say that? Because if we don't pick up our cross, sign our own death penalty for our flesh, repent from our evil ways, and follow Christ. Unless we decide to die daily to the ways in which the world and ways in which your flesh wants to live, you're not worthy of Christ. You're not worthy. He also says in Galatians 5:19 or 5, Galatians 5:19 5, through 24. He says now the work of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcer- sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies, and the murders, drunkenness, revelries, and of the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who decide to live in lying, cheating, stealing, adultery, Idolatry, fornication, adultery will not inherit the kingdom of God, folks. People that live after their flesh will die and go to hell. But he goes on, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. He says, Against such there is no law. And listen to what he says, which is exactly what Jesus says here in Matthew 10 38. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's exactly what Jesus says right here. Um, If you're Christ, you have decided to pick up your cross. You've decided to put away. You've made a decision, I'm going to put away those evil ways of living. And I want to live for Christ now. I don't want to live for those evil ways anymore. I want to start to practice righteousness. I want Jesus. I need Jesus. I don't want that old way of life. Pick up your cross, Jesus says, and follow after me. This is the exact message of God's word and we can't water it down. If I water it down here for you, I'm not doing you any favors. I'm just going to lie to you like a lot of the big major religions out there today will, especially even those that claim to be Christian. Just believe in Jesus. Just have this belief in Jesus. You'll you'll just be okay. Just pray this prayer. And just, just have this belief in Jesus. And oh yeah, oh, got to trust him. Oh, trust him. God's a God of blessing. Oh, God just blesses me all day long, every day. And when you say, well, excuse me, ma'am or sir, what about Jesus said, deny self? What, what about when Jesus says, pick up cross? Put to death the works of your flesh. And follow after me. Oh, well, oh, well, That that's just, uh, you know, that's just supposed to lead us, you know, here. That, that you know, that wasn't literal or, or, you know, they make up things. They discount the things that Jesus said right here. What is a Christian? A Christian is that one that says, I'm going to pick up my cross. I'm going to sign the death penalty for my flesh. I don't want to live that way anymore. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And he follows it up verse 39. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's deep. Very, very, very deep. What is Jesus saying? The Greek word here for finds is hirukshu. And it means to find out For oneself to acquire, to get, to obtain. And what does Jesus say here first? He who finds his life will lose it. What is he saying? He who finds his life will lose it. If you find and obtain your own life for yourself, you will lose it. If you find or obtain your own life, you are finding a life of you. And you are your own boss. And you live for you in whatever ways you want to. And that, my fellows, my ladies and my gentlemen, that's the way of the flesh. I find my life for me. I've got this. I'm the one in charge. He who finds his life will lose it. That's sin. And this person, Jesus said, will die and lose their life. But he's not just talking about your life here on this planet Earth. Because guess what? Everybody dies. Everybody dies. He's talking about the death of eternity. The death in hell. Paul said, Galatians 5.21, Those who practice the ways of a sinful life shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the second half. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. But if you lose your life for Jesus' sake, you will find it. What's he saying? If you lose your life for Jesus' sake, if you lose your life or give away the life that God gave you, that belongs to you, it's your right to have and own that life. That's your life. That's your life that you have. God gave it to you. It's your gift. It's your life. But if you lose that life for Jesus' sake, He said you will gain it. That means that you have decided to crucify your flesh with all its passions because of Jesus Christ. Deciding to live for Him and find life in Him and His teachings. Putting down the sinful ways of your life and living life for you. And He says, and if you do that, you'll find eternal life in heaven. And you'll get to be with God forever, with God and His Christ in eternity forever. He who finds his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And yes, praise God that he gives us these truths. Praise be to God because he desires none to perish and all to come to repentance. How can he expect us to come to repentance if he doesn't tell us how to come to repentance? How, and he does right here. If you lose your life, For Jesus' sake, if you give your life away, if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and decide to live for Him and not for you and His teachings and not for you and your ways, then you'll find life. But Jesus just just did say, we just read that that way was difficult and narrow. And few there be that find it. And why? Because it means putting off the flesh. It means putting down your sinful ways. It means not living for you and you in control anymore. And few there be that would find that, not because it's not there for us to have, because God desires all to have it, but because we are selfish and we don't want to turn away from self, we don't want to put down self. We don't want to come to Christ and surrender to Him because it's scary. Well, what if what if He doesn't? What if He doesn't run it right? What if He? What if everything gets messed up? How do you know? How do you know? God is God Almighty, mighty big God. He can take care of everything. So there's only one thing, folks. There's only one thing that we need to be asking ourselves today. One question that we need to ask ourselves today. No matter what you call yourself, whether you call yourself a Christian or not not a Christian, are you picking up your cross daily in following after Jesus Christ? Are you? Are you picking up your cross? Are you daily signing the death warrant for your flesh and coming after Jesus Christ? Remember, Paul said, I die daily. Remember the eternal words I think we're going to be saying when we're in heaven. John the Baptist, in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 30, he said, he, Jesus, must increase, but I, John the Baptist, must decrease. Decrease. Are you putting to death the deeds of your flesh daily and living a sold-out life for Christ? Go through Galatians 5 with me. Give yourself a check. Give yourself a little checkup. Are you living lives full of adultery Jesus said, even if a man looks at a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery. Are you living lives of fornication? Having intercourse, being with a woman outside of marriage? Uncleanness. Is everything you do unclean? Lewdness. And God taught me something this week with this one. Lustfulness. Are we walking around living in lustfulness every day? Idolatry. I'm a, I'm a, I see a lot of kids walking around nowadays and they can never put down their cell phone. It's in their hand all the time and they're constantly looking at it and they walk around it everywhere. They, lo- they walk around with it everywhere and it's always out and they just can't, can't stand not to see it. Let your car or your job. Do you worship those things? Do you spend more time at your job? Do you spend more time doing those things than you do with Christ? Then you do spend time with Christ? How sorcery? Hatred. Do you walk around strongly, hate, strongly disliking people all the time for whatever reason? Contentions. Are you always contending with people? Arguing with people? Jealousies? Outbursts of wrath? Selfish ambitions? Are you selfish? You want it all for you. Are you selfish? Are you being, living a selfish lifestyle? Dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries. Are you partying? Are you going to parties? And you're being caught up in parties. Paul said, unless you put off these things, because anybody that practices these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the death warrant that God wants you to sign for your own flesh. Don't submit yourself to nothing else, to no one else. Don't love anything more than you love God. Don't love anything more than you love Christ. Not even your family. Not even your job. Nothing. Will you examine your life today to see if you really worship and serve Christ Jesus with your life and not just your mouth? Can you really honestly say that you love Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength? Are you being consumed? Are you going that way? Are you being starting to be consumed with God? Or is he just somebody you call out to when he's 911? Oh, Lord, I'm in trouble. Jesus, help me. Oh, I'm I'm just in trouble. I need you now. I haven't needed you for three weeks or a month. But oh, God, I need you now. Help me. Make a 911 call. And sure, God, I'm not going to say that God doesn't love that. But that's not a sold-out life for Christ. Are you serving other things? Or are you serving Christ? We just read God say, I'm a jealous God. He, Jesus, wants all of you, not just a piece of you. Does He get all your devotion? Does He get all your worship daily? Are you sold out for Christ? Do people know that you're a Christian? Or do you just speak good words out of your mouth and then do all those things that God said not to do on the side? That's not a Christian. Again, Jesus defined real Christianity and real salvation here in this section of Scripture. And he closed with, unless you are sold out and totally devoted and give him all of yourself, then you're not worthy of him. He can expect this, guys. Not only because he's God, but he can expect this because guess what? He did that for you. He gave up his life for you. He saw that you were sinful. He saw that you hated him. He saw that you didn't love him. He saw that you were in a God-hating way, and he still came down as God wrapped in human flesh, and he still went to the cross, and he still died for your sins. To this day, you are more important to God than anything else in the universe. To today, right now, 2013, September. You are more important to God than anything else in the whole universe. He wants the same from you because he does that for you. He's jealous for you, but he's jealous to know you more. He He wants you to know him more so he can get to know you more. And God wants all of you because he gave all of himself for you. And he didn't even have to. He didn't have to do that. He could have just let us go and hoped that we made it. But instead, look what he did. He came down and loved you before you knew what real love was. That's why he wants all of you He gives all of himself for you. To this very day, all the way back to the beginning of creation, and at the ultimate pinnacle of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. For while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And that would be everybody. If you're not sold out and devoted completely today to Christ, and turning away from the sinful ways of your flesh then you are in big trouble. Jesus said that you're not worthy of him. That means that you are rejecting him and living for yourself. If that's you and you could say that, that's me today, Pastor Ed. I can say, I'm sad to say, but that is me. Oh no, I didn't even realize. God says if you're hearing this message today, today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear my voice, today, if this is you, turn Turn to Him now before it's too late. Turn to Him now. Don't let another day go by because there's no such thing as tomorrow. We call it tomorrow today, but once it becomes tomorrow, tomorrow becomes today. There's no such thing as tomorrow. Do it. God has done everything for you. Don't let another day go by. Where you don't love Him back with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. Turn today from your self-acquired life, the one where you're in control, and turn your life to Christ and lose your life in Him so that you can gain life with Him in eternity and forever. Do it. Don't wait another day. Christ loves you so much. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for what you did for us. Thank you so much that you defined what a real Christian should be here. Sadly, Lord God, that road is narrow and that this road is difficult. And there are few that find it, Lord. Sadly, because of all the things that we have to go through to get there. All the things that I've had to go through to even come to this point where I am with you. It's so hard And it's so difficult, but you walked a difficult, hard road for us. And you still love us above all creation. And that's what you want from us. I just pray, Lord God, that you would please, Lord, right now, whoever's listening right now, if they're not there with you, if they're not totally sold out right now, I pray that you would bring them to repentance and that they would realize they're wrong. And go cry out to you and tell you that they're sorry. And then start and change now. Don't wait till tomorrow because there's no such thing as tomorrow. Tomorrow is just a fantasy. Tomorrow is just another day. It's a day just like today. Bring them to you right now, Lord. Bring them to you right now. Please, God. Don't let them go another day walking away from you, living their lives for themselves. Save them, God. Please draw him to Christ and save him right now. And I ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We would like to thank everyone who has joined us today to listen to Pastor Ed Spagnoli bring us more biblical truth as he preaches verse by verse through the Bible. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged to respond to the word of the Lord today as one life will soon be passed and only what is done for Jesus Christ will last if you would like to support this ministry or contact us for prayer or for any reason at all please visit gospelsavingchurch.com and enjoy our beautiful new website and click on the appropriate links God bless you